0: Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to talk about the offense from that third preseason game against the Buccaneers. Also take a look forward at the roster and some of the ponderings the Ravens have. Roster deadline is tomorrow. I know everybody's gotta have their know your team pool in or know your roster pool uh, in by now but we'll talk a little bit about what's going to happen uh there uh we've got for today's show uh jason smith joining us jason how you doing i'm doing really well ken thanks for having me all right jason if you've been in a cave or something is huddle it up films uh lots of great content produced over there very fan friendly community very tight in terms of of being online with folks, a lot of commentary. He knows the people by name, Shrimp Trawler and all the other folks that are out there that are regular fans of his, I know. And, uh, uh, I, I'm sure there's a big overlap between my listeners and his, and, uh, and, uh, he's definitely someone who's a, a regular guest on the show, as you know, uh, I appreciate that, Ken. I just wanted to say thank you to everybody
1: who's come over from Ken's show to mine and, and found my channel through Ken. So thank, thank you, Ken. And thank everybody.
0: All right. Well, vice versa too. We appreciate it, and uh, you know, I've been a guest a few times on your show, and I really appreciate it always. It's definitely a a, a fun place to go talk football, and uh, always a pleasure with you. Let's jump in. Talk about the the game against the Bucks. I guess you know the thing on everybody's mind is kind of the backup QB battle and what's going on. So let's let's start there because I think it's one of the biggest questions: is Huntley injured for a second straight game? He had a fine game against the Eagles. Didn't play against the Commanders and. Didn't play against the Bucs again. We don't have a complete answer on the nature of that injury. Obviously, Harbaugh, very tight-lipped about injuries in general. But I i don't know about you, but I'm not getting a warm, fuzzy feeling that the decision has been made on, in Huntley's favor right now. Today kind of sealed that for me or added to that
1: feeling for me, uh, just the way Harbaugh spoke. And, yep. you know, I, I, I don't know what's going on. When none of us do with Tyler Huntley. It's Obviously looked like a muscle pull of some kind. If I had to take a guess, it just looked like a classic yank, you know, so yank the muscle somewhere.
0: Hamstring um, or whatever.
1: Yeah, Hamstring, something like that. But uh, I think that there are valid arguments to keeping Josh Johnson. I asked the question today, Ken. um, Look, I've seen Huntley on everybody's roster, including my roster. I have Huntley on there. What make your case for Josh Johnson type thing? And uh, if you don't mind me going on, there, there are just a few points that I'd like to make. About yeah, I, I, I'll
0: yeah. make them too. go ahead. And, and I, why don't we why don't we make the pro and con list together? But give us give us some pros here and uh, I'll add them as we go.
1: There you go. Uh, the main thing that I saw is that uh, Josh Johnson may fit Munkin system better. A lot of people think that they see Huntley as a running quarterback and that kind of thing. So I don't I don't know how much we know about Todd Bunkin system. Uh, but he may prefer Johnson over Huntley himself and say this is a guy that I like that runs my system better.
0: Yeah, I I, th- I think that fits in well with my top point, which is I think Johnson's looked a lot better under pressure relative to the data points we have on Huntley over the last three years. That Huntley's had some difficulty under pressure. Uh, Johnson's looked terrific under pressure. In fact, this Tampa Bay game, he was under constant pressure, and he threw for a 138 quarterback rating limited sample size. It's not much, but he didn't take a bunch of sacks. And we saw, uh, you know, Brown come in in the second half. He took some sacks still through the ball. Well, I thought, frankly, given the amount of pressure that was, that was being provided by Tampa for pretty much the whole game. But uh, yeah, I think I, ability under pressure would be my second point. And there, there's some more minor ones after that. What's your next one? I think that one thing that
1: factors in now is that there's no advantage for Tyler Huntley over team control. Uh, they're both here basically for one year if we want them. And after that, it's up in the air. So team control comes into play here as well. Again, if you think Josh Johnson has a better chance of winning you a game this year, then, then you should go with him because it has nothing to do with development or long-term plans here. Huntley could be gone, uh, next year. You would say likely maybe they bring somebody else in.
0: Yeah, I'm going to scale that back by about 10%. I basically agree on the ten-year argument. The one way in which Huntley could help you if he stays is in terms of when he leaves next year. If he comes in and goes three and one as a backup quarterback, say he may actually have some significant value. So somebody may want to pay him $10 or $12 million a year next year. Either some cheap team that looks for wanting him to be the number one during a bridge or tank year or some – team that really wants to win and says, we got to have a quality backup. And Huntley just did it for Baltimore with that three and one record he turned in. He almost won in the playoff game, except for his own fumble kind of thing, but uh, yes, you know, so you, you, you get a little bit of value back, but that's a really, it's a really minor concern relative to the, um uh, the, the tenure being basically a neutral factor as opposed to a pro for either player.
1: Exactly. And the last point, Ken mentoring of Lamar Jackson. I heard that. Didn't think of that, you know, personally, because I know that Lamar and Huntley are obviously very close. So you say, okay, well has fit in the room, been in the mm-hmm. room, this and that. But Josh Johnson, that's a great point by someone to comment on Twitter with all his experience, maybe a better help to Lamar through the tough times that inevitably happen through the
0: season. Yeah, he's he's he has been around and seen it all. Uh, you know, he's not RG three in terms of being in the room and able to to take Lamar's point of view as a co Heisman winner at that at, you know, as a, as an also a Heisman winner and what, but he is a guy who's certainly seen how a lot of other NFL teams do it. And that has a certain value as a mentor, even though he certainly has does not have some great track record of success across the rest of the national football league. I'll give you one more, one and a half million dollars of cap savings for going with Johnson over Huntley. It's not zero. All right. Now the Ravens have some other sources of, of cap, but that's an, I'd say a non-zero number there definitely plays in Johnson's favor, all other things equal. And I think, I do think the other things we named are all kind of the more important considerations The the mentorship it's, it's might well be worth a million and a half to have, to have Johnson as opposed to Huntley, but the million and a half goes the other direction, but it might be worth, you know, more money than that. Um, you know, looking at, at who can, play better under pressure. I think that's way more important than the million and a half, but I agree with you. I think that's pretty much the list that I would make of, uh, of reasons why uh, it should be, it should be Johnson and not Huntley at this point. Do you have any, anything in Huntley's favor that says he should be the guy other than this, the tiny little thing about the, about the compensatory pick?
1: Yes. I would say that the first preseason game Huntley looked really good. thought that he was the, the better quarterback there before the injury. So that was one consideration, and my second point. There really only two, because uh, it comes down to me to uh, who Monken prefers. I think mm-hmm. that's ultimately the factor. But uh, another point in Huntley's favor is that uh, uh, lost my train of thought there. I apologize. Um, shoot, mm-hmm. yes, the Eagles game was was mm-hmm. was won. Um, I'm sorry, Ken. I lost my train of thought. That's okay. Here.
0: If it can come to you later, and we'll come back to it. Okay.
1: It was definitely a good one, though. <laughs> <So> I just <laughs> messed <laughs> up. I figured I'd make sorry a joke here that. on myself. Make a joke. Well, let on me, myself. While you're
0: thinking about it, let me talk about the list of cuts that were made early today. Because the Ravens do this every year. They let a few players down early because they really want to split the cuts. He remembered. We Got it. it. Go I'm so, so so sorry. I had to make a joke there. I think that there is a
1: possibility that if you're trying to keep everybody, as many as you can, that Huntley has a higher chance of, of getting claimed. Younger player, uh, some team may not be happy with their backup quarterback. You look at a uh, backup for Anthony Richardson, say, or Jalen Hurts, uh, maybe even a stretch West Coast offense with a lot of bootlegs and on the move stuff, with Huntley's legs being in the favor, being a factor. So, you know, maybe I, I got pushback saying, well, nobody really wanted Huntley when they could have had him this offseason. You may be able to explain the rules better than me. But I, I think Huntley would be more coveted of the two. And if you want to try to keep everybody, maybe you go with Huntley to protect him and and hope Johnson stays as a vet.
0: Well, if you do want to keep everybody, there is a way to do it. You just have to put Johnson on a handshake deal. Hope he doesn't get claimed. Either move him to the practice squad or pay him the full amount and bring him back to the um, regular roster after you IR Huntley. But Harbaugh's commentary today seemed to rule that out. And also it's a little bit more money. I mean, it's, it's going in the other direction. It's probably only about, I don't know, 400,000 or so more dollars when you net out against the other person who might be on the team instead, or maybe there's no one on the team and it's really like 1.3 million or thereabouts that that's, that's being spent on um, uh, Johnson. If you keep him in addition to, um, to Huntley. I don't think they weren't really want to do that. I don't think they want to to spend that much in total. I think they'd rather kind of roll the dice if they're going with Huntley first and just hope that Johnson is available when the time comes and Johnson, you know, the way he's traveled around, he could go to one organization, be done with them and be back. You know, it's like he's got time to do a lot of things uh, in between the time now and the time he's needed. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So that that's my thoughts on the situation. The money comes into play. There's a lot of things come into play. But ultimately, I think it's, it's going to be who, who Monkin prefers, uh, even over hardball. Monkin says, look, I've seen what this guy can do, whoever it may be, Huntley or Johnson, in the system. He seems to understand it better. If we get in the situation, we can run this set of plays and that really suit him. So,
0: you know, I want to comment on that for a second. I'm okay with that for the quarterback specifically and for this dollar amount. And I may have been okay if Monkin really put his foot down and said, look, I want to have both. I don't want to be left without a quarterback. Please roster both of these guys, including an IR of Huntley. I'll make do with Johnson for the first part. Then we'll figure it out as time moves on and we'll have all the guys available. I wouldn't even have a problem if he did that. Also wouldn't have a problem if he said, bring, bring Johnson back week two and we'll pay him for the weeks we need him kind of thing. I mean, I don't know who they get week one to be the backup if they do that, but You know, obviously a week one injury to Lamar Jackson would be pretty, pretty darn awful if that were to, that were to occur. But where I'm not okay is for Monken to decide a lot of the rest of the course of the organizational structure and the potential future offense in a vacuum. I don't, I don't think that should be his decision to make. And decisions like Patrick Ricard and even Devin DuVernay fall into this category, but Ricard more because Monken may say Ricard really has no place in my offense and Harbaugh should be able to say, and EDC should be able to say, here's a place in our offense because we need to close out some games and we need to be able to have a fullback who can do it. And we need to prepare for a situation where our quarterback is not working out in your system and still be prepared to return to a, a, a heavier game, whatever that might mean, that Jackson has already succeeded in. Totally
1: agree. I think the quarterback's the situation – is separate from, mm-hmm. from lover card situation, because you're going to need, you know, Munkin knows his offense best. You're going to need to rely on his input to figure out, uh, you know, which quarterback he can do his job better with. But yeah, the other decisions, of course, like coach Harbaugh uh, and EDC, ultimately it's their decision.
0: Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's just the opposite of what happened in Washington where Shanahan, I think at the time wanted to bench RG three, and the general manager and owner stepped in and said, nope, starting quarterback is an organizational decision. It's not a coaching decision. And I think that forced his firing at that point. I don't remember exactly how it played out, but you know, he, he basically either had to go or, or, or fall within the rule set. I'm sure there's people out there who remember the, that particular thing, but just the opposite is what, what we're really suggesting here. Let's talk about the list of cuts already made today. So far, the names I know, Shamar Bridges, DeAndre Houston Carson, Corey Mayfield, Trey Botts, Caim Caesar, Jake Godan, um, Kelly Sanders, and Dante Demas. None of them even mild surprises with perhaps the exception of Demas, who I think there were still a few people out there hoping he would make wide receiver six over Wallace or perhaps over Duvernay.
1: Not a lot of not a lot of surprises to me. I didn't expect Demas to, to make the roster. I, I think that our six are pretty much set. And mm-hmm. if they decide to do something creative there, we, we may do like we've done in the past and go for five, just because those five are so much solid or so solid, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, I, uh, I think Houston Carson has a chance to make the practice squad because of his uh, versatility in the backfield, play, can play some safety for you and does a good job on special teams. So that would be the one guy out of all of them. Uh, you throw Dante Demas in there as well that I kind of yeah.
0: think I, I, could come back. I, I think I would agree. I think Dante Demas should be a priority um, practice squad guy. I'm going to say this one thing about the practice squad, and, and I, I really don't want to discuss it a lot tonight because there's a lot of players that I like. But I think because of the enormous pending number of free agents the Ravens have, it's actually important that they structure their practice squad, which is only limited to 16 guys with guys who have a future beyond 2023 in Baltimore. So DeAndre Houston Carson is a good example of a bad choice. So he, he could he help the Ravens in 23? He might be able to. You know, he's played the back end some things, but if if you're talking about a direct comparison between him and Lucian who's been his backfield mate for a lot of this a lot of this uh, second half of these last couple of games, I think Lucian's outplayed him. So in his case it, it probably is a little bit easier a choice. Lucien is it pr- looks, although he's just started playing safety, looks more like a free safety to me than a strong safety, which always you, you, you go towards that choice first, I think. And then more importantly, they've got three years of team control after this year with Lucien um, relative to DeAndre Carson. So I hope they make a lot of the practice squad decisions based on tenure this year. And we don't have a see a bunch of six, sevens and eights on the practice squads in terms of, uh, of uh, service time. Great
1: thought. I love it. I love it. Houston Carson do, does stand out as maybe one of the exceptions that they would mm-hmm. make if they prefer, just because of the special teams and and uh, our head coach and his preferences. So, so yes, but that's a great point. What you know, with a lot of you, I think you want younger players in general. Yep. If you have, uh, you know, I think you you need veteran backups on the active roster, but your practice squad. Uh, yes, let's go for youth and really try to develop these guys.
0: All right, uh, let's talk a little bit about what we learned from this last game in terms of deployment order because there were some things that just jump right off the page in terms of deployment order. And I, we had this already last week predicted, so it's not a big surprise, but uh, John Simpson did not play. Salah got most of the playing time. Obviously, the left guard decision was completely decided at that point, even if you didn't really believe anything Harbaugh was saying. If Harbaugh was talking about you know monkeys and leprechauns, you you'd still know from the order of deployment that the intention is to start Simpson in week one
1: yes and solid played a lot and I was glad to see that because uh he needs it he needs all he could get at this point in the year so uh the deployment the order of deployment I didn't think that there were many surprises there you, you may point to to ben Cleveland's usage as man the whole game
0: go ahead go ahead Kevin. yeah so we did not see even a single snap from Keaton Mitchell that was clear indication that he'll make the team, and 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 I don't I don't think anybody is saying otherwise. But you know the notion that Gordon is still in there for you know into the fourth quarter in the game obviously is a uh, he's not going to be around. Uh, he, you know, he'll be looking for uh, another job. Uh, you know they used right right to the end. He is a, a potential practice squad candidate among the running backs, but, uh, but I'd say that, that, uh, we learned a lot just from the running back room. I was actually surprised they let Justice Hill take four snaps.
1: Yes. Kind of mildly surprised. Uh, Mitchell did not surprise me much because he was, he get shoulder stinger or something, but, um, I, I didn't think that there was any way that Melvin Gordon was going to make the team before that. So that, that really didn't surprise me
0: personally. All right. Well, let's move on to the tight end position. There's an interesting thing going on here because there's obviously people look at it as a uh, Vokalek versus Ricard situation for either the last tight end or the tight end slash fullback. And the fact that they've lined up a a fullback in the backfield a lot this preseason and have not used a fullback very much. Ricard's hardly played any snaps, but the, the, the fact that they've done that is an indication that Monken might want to run his offense with more of a hybrid player than a um a true fullback and Ricard gives you that aspect in line too. Don't 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 get me wrong. But th- there was a lot of discussion about whether Vokalek makes more sense to keep than Ricard given the money, given the tenure, given you know what we've seen from Vokalek as a receiver. Yes, I would say that
1: I I saw chatter that Kolar was, you know, maybe it's between Vokalek and, and, and Kolar and I, I don't buy that at all. I think Kolar mm-hmm. is more than, more than safe. He's, he's going to be in the plans. Ricard Ken is one of those things that I'm really anxious to see what happens tomorrow. I, I, you know, with this roster crunch, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot about the offensive line. Somebody's going to be left out that I'm not going to be happy that they're being left out. And, you know, if I'm trying to single that down, uh, like I said, I'm not going to like whatever decision they're making. I'm like, man, this guy's off the roster. Uh yeah, but Ricard, I think, has to come into consideration considering his price, and do you want to pay that for someone who plays 10, 15 snaps a game?
0: You could uh probably come to a new agreement with him. You know obviously he could be restructured just not into, but take a salary cut. The, the number I've been like tossing around, I don't know if it's reasonable, I don't know if it's with, meets the minimum standard of what the Ravens would need to do, but cut him half a million this year and a million next year. And then it, it increases the likelihood he ends up playing for three million next year if he can play for I think it's two and a quarter million this year, it would be. It's it's possible that that, that would work. All right. Um, yes. here is the 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 thing nobody's talking about, but I think this is actually a big issue. I think Ricard's case was tremendously helped against the Bucks, not by anything he or Vokolek did, but by how Kolar played. Because Kolar looks every bit the receiver. And his, his roster spot's in no jeopardy, as you indicated there. But the thing he didn't do well is block. And I actually think he hurt himself in terms of snaps this season by having such an awful blocking game. I mean, it was terrible. I've got him involved in, I think it's three pressure events i a flush in this game where he had some, he was party to it in some way and it might've been two quarterback hits and, and one pressure and one flush. I have to look it up. It's in, it's in my article on the, on the offensive players, but uh, he, he did, he blocked so poorly that it increased the need for Ricard to be around to play an inline role or in the backfield. Agreed. I mean, he was always
1: going to be a developmental player. I actually liked what I saw from him last year. It is just limited. I mean, it's extremely small sample size with his blocking. I said to myself, "That's a little better looking than I expected." But he's he's nowhere close to Pat Ricard as a blocker, especially lined up as a traditional wide tight end. I will say though, Ken, something that I keep—you know—I could do the pros and cons with. Well, we're going to have to leave someone off. The one thing that would ease it if we did part ways with Ricard or if he ended up going somewhere else, You don't want to take a pay cut, whatever it is, is that, you know, a guy like Eric Tomlinson that we found a couple of years ago, I feel like you can replace a blocking tight end better than you can somebody who's uh, an offensive lineman, next man up at guard, say. Uh, so, like, would I rather have Ricard on this roster or Ben Cleveland? And I had to, you had to say, Ken, or you told me, Jason, you got to pick one because we're keeping Salah. Uh, we're not able to I.R. Mitchell. We're not able to do this, that and play this games, you know, uh, Pat, Pat Ricard or Ben Cleveland. Ben, uh, Ken, I'm choosing Ben Cleveland because I'm that the offensive line itself is is harder to replace, I think, than a blocking tight end.
0: I, I would agree with that. Um, I, you know, I do, I do think blocking tight ends are more in demand um, than you're saying. I mean, Josh Oliver just got a big contract, basically, because what he could do is a blocker and a little bit as a receiver. And what I, I, and Ricard is a pure blocker and a non-receiver. So you have what eight teams in the national league who still use a fullback, but most of the other teams still want a tight end who can block in the backfield. So those teams might really like a vocal who is a, you know, a big guy, probably a little unwieldy as a blocker, certainly has made some mistakes in this preseason but developmentally, he's, he's probably a pretty good bet to become a good blocker. I think there's teams out there that will want him as their blocking tight end that they bring in, whether it's, you know, he, they may use him more as a receiver, but they're also going to line him up in the backfield because they don't have a fullback.
1: Yes. So what are the odds that Pat Ricard and Vocalak get get scooped up by somebody else? Both of them, not just one, and we're left with one. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know. But it's, it's a discussion worth having, something I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to tomorrow.
0: Okay. I, I am of the opinion with the handshake agreements they have available, they are not in a position to have to lo- lose Cleveland immediately. So that's one of the things we'll go through there. And I, I, I believe they'll have 10 offensive linemen on this team. We'll get to the roster at at uh, some point a little later. It is all. We're, I mean, we obviously we're trying to tie in what happened in this preseason game, but a lot of our discussion tonight is really about the roster and 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 try to figure out how this shakes out after this. Uh, uh, boy, I hate to call it a meaningless preseason game because you never know when Harbaugh is going to have a, a, a quote from this yeah. <laughs> to talk about this. But yeah, don't do that. Right, <laughs> <laughs> this very meaningful preseason game. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the deployment order because there were a few more things that were of of kind of interest here. Uh, the wide receivers, you had Wallace playing the entire game. I wouldn't normally consider that to be a particularly good thing, that he's still in there at the end of the game. Uh, it does pose a question, but then when you look at the other guys and it's uh, Tariq Black uh, and uh, um, uh, 81, uh, Tariq Black. Sean, Ball, Ryan. Sean Ryan. Sean Ryan, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, obviously it was Treadwell was out there and he he left early. I think in his case, it might have been a case of they wanted to make sure he didn't get hurt. But I really don't see a possibility that Treadwell somehow beats out Wallace for that last wide receiver spot. Um, you know, he's, He did retire early. So it would tell you that maybe they're thinking like that. He does a lot of special teams things that Wallace also does. But Wallace is also a third-year player. And he's cheap for this year and next year. And I think they've got to have their eye on 24 Um and, and not uh, keep an extra vet around uh, who honestly, I don't think he gives you anything more as a receiver than, than what Wallace does at this point. Wallace has looked pretty good as a receiver this year.
1: That's what I thought. That surprises me a little bit that Wallace was, uh, you know, played as much as he did because I honestly. Ohio ready for some quick mental health facts. Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Looked at his spot. You know, being a gunner can and a good gunner, Mm -hmm. you know, to me that's a that's kind of your your quarterback of special teams, one of them. Maybe a quarterback's overstatement, but you can always kick it the ball out of the end zone. You try to angle the punt or you don't have confidence in your gunner to win. That can really cost you big time. So uh, this isn't a, a sixth offense or sixth inside linebacker we're keeping for special teams. This is one of your main guys in Tal- Talon Wallace. So add that to what he's done as a receiver. And, you know, I was surprised he was in the game that long.
0: Yeah, me me too, and I, I do look at Treadwell and say there's an awful lot of overlap on what those two can do on special teams. I I, I think tenure will play a big role in it, and, and yeah, I, I I'm basically in agreement. I don't want to restate the, the restate the thing again, and there really isn't any other wide receiver. We 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 had a fond farewell to James Prochet in this game, I believe. Uh, had a couple of nice catches, and uh, glad to see him go. I hope he lands on his feet somewhere. Uh, it's been a tough three years in Baltimore for Prochet before this year, obviously things this summer and, and uh, preseason have not gone particularly well either. Um, but he's a, by all reports, he's a very nice human being and hopefully he uh, finds his way and finds his feet somewhere else.
1: Yes. I mean, we have a lot of slot options here, including the tight end. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's a fit thing at this point in a roster crunch and, control thing. There's just, there's so, there's so much. I hope that he gets a chance to prove himself. Um, You know, I, I stated the year 2021, because I confused someone when I said this, but the year 2021, he had a big game at Denver. Wow. Seven. I think he caught seven out of eight or six hmm. out of seven for 70 some yards. Then over the next 10 weeks, he only got five targets total. They bring him in against Mike Hilton in the Bengals. Again, I think he catches all but one target for 70 some yards then he was inactive the last two games. And, uh, that kind of, that was my main, like, I don't, I think he could have got a better chance in 2021 eventually last year coming in cold, wasn't a good year. And then this year, it just seems like it's, it's destined to they're destined to part ways. So I hope he may stay with us, but I hope some other team looks at him and wants to give him a shot as a, as a slot receiver, situational receiver.
0: Yeah. And you know, it is one of the things. The Ravens have a, a, an older receiving core, and they're younger guys. Uh, one of them is a smallish frame guy who there's always a risk with, and the other is Bateman who's already had some injury issues. So you can't rule out injuries at the wide receiver position. So having an, another couple of guys, whether that's Demas or maybe Prochet on the on the practice squad, I think is going to be important for this Ravens team to make sure they they are depthified uh there could be Treadwell as well could be a reasonable guy to keep on the practice squad
1: and tariq black's name kept coming up during training yeah. camp so i don't you know i wasn't there to see it but he kept splashing a lot so maybe he's he's another option he, he was it he or ryan who had the drop Ryan uh, it was Ryan yeah, he was pretty upset about that yeah yeah
0: it probably should be um that was a that was a tough play all right let's talk about the order of deployment on the offensive line because that gave us some more clues uh, we're seeing a lot of David Sharp in the game now. Sharp and Fa'alele did some switcheroo between left tackle and right tackle back and forth uh, for the entire first half before Fa'alele sat down, and then Sharp continued on and he played three of the five series in the second half at left tackle. He is not a spring chicken. In fact, he's a vested veteran. If the if if he really fit into the Ravens' planned roster somehow, they could make a handshake deal with him. They just have to take the risk that he doesn't get signed by anybody else. And if there's one thing they did, they made that stick the entire year. They threw that piece of spaghetti at the refrigerator and Sharp didn't get signed off their practice squad for the entire season. So I think the era of demand for David Sharp has basically come to an end. I think people basically know who he is. He's about 28 years old now. Um, And, and he's uh, probably not going to be lost if they stick him on the practice squad, but Again, as I always say, the, the replacement level is a moving target. He's got very long arms. A lot of teams covet that. And he's a guy that, that some some team may say, hey, he's the best option we have right now, uh, kind of like Will Holden was for the Colts a few years ago.
1: Yes, and, you know, it's, it, he, I think that when it comes to backup tackles across the league, it's just there's a scarcity. So mm-hmm. with David Sharp. Maybe he's on the practice squad. Maybe somebody else picks him up. I'm not in tune enough with the other teams to see how that's going. So, uh, But I think that you nailed it when you said, at this point, 28, did you say? You pretty much have a good idea of what he can do, how he looks. I think he looks very good at times, and then other times just an, just an inconsistent player.
0: Yeah, he, he didn't – I don't believe he helped himself in this game with how he looked. He looked not particularly good – uh, I have some notes on them in the in, in the article. If people are interested, I don't really want to go into this player by player in this uh, part. Uh, Falele and Sala together are an interesting problem for the Ravens that we've got to talk about at some point because you have eight active offensive linemen on game day. If they only carry nine, it means one of those two, if they both make the roster, we assume they both will, needs to be active every game day. I don't think the Ravens are prepared, and I, I don't think either of these players is ready for live fire at this point. Um, Falele's looked um, not any better than last year, I would say, during these initial preseason games. He did look a little better in the first one, then he then he regressed, and he's going back to much more of this Um mirroring without contact that I don't like. I, I, want a, I want an offensive lineman, particularly one as big as him, to strike to try and disrupt the pass rush of, of the opponent. I just don't see him doing that.
1: I thought Lele early on looked mm-hmm. a little better. I really did. Uh, these last couple of games were more concerning to me. Uh, still a developmental type guy at this stage, which, you know, to your point, uh, we're lucky to have Pat McCarry. They can step in and do what I believe an above-average job for a backup. But, um, backup. yeah, Falele and Salah is just a, a, a completely different story. That's someone that I don't think the team can afford to be the first man off the bench at guard. Uh, yeah, completely it's just, agree.
0: It's yeah.
1: just a tough situation. I mean, the, the quickest way to derail your offense is to get pressure in the quarterback's face, and Salah is – is it's just you know it's basic moves again he's getting beat with some basic moves some not outstanding performances by the defensive lineman more of him getting used to the guard position off balance late getting crossed up just a bunch of stuff you don't want to see so this part of why i'm i'm pretty hell-bent on keeping ben cleveland on this team because through his good plays and not so good plays i mean he he has those dominant reps you saw it again on this on this uh in this game. I have a few notes on Cleveland, just some dominant looking plays, some high level plays. And when he gets beat, I mean, it. I don't see him getting beat badly a lot. He did the very first snap of preseason, obviously. Mm-hmm. But usually when I look back at the games that Ben Cleveland plays, Ken, it's like, all right, he probably wants this snap, these three snaps back, these maybe four snaps back. But man, he had three or four dominant ones and held his own the rest of the way. So I'm kind of a I really hope Ben Cleveland's able to stay on this team.
0: Well, I I do too. I I've been as big a Cleveland fan I think as as most out there. Maybe not as everyone, but but I've been a biggest fan as most because I felt like he played pretty well when he got given some playing time in twenty one. At least he was he was on the right trajectory to be a, a decent offensive lineman. Then he was in briefly in twenty two, and he ha- he was in in that Pittsburgh game had some dominant run blocks and some really crappy pass reps. Okay. And he didn't play much else the whole season. I think he did play in week 18 against Cincinnati. didn't look great, but um, you know, this preseason, that first game, I thought he played pretty well, actually. Give up the quarterback hit. Everybody wanted to talk about that. Everybody wanted to throw that video in his face for the next, you know, 48 hours or whatnot. But honestly, his overall performance that game was pretty decent. The problem is that was really the high point of the preseason. And, And in this last game, uh, what do I have him for? I want to. I think sure. you had him at a
1: zero, and I just wanted to ask you. I I looked at his right guard reps. I have a cut up on the channel, right? And I looked at those very closely. So I, I'm just. I want to ask you to to if you could please narrow it down to what you saw from him as guard. Is it like leave the right tackle stuff out of it? If you have okay. that, I I,
0: the, I can get it. It takes me a moment to pull through it, but I'll tell you this: no, you may no. have his right guard and a right tackle together. But I'll say he was party to two pressures, and unfortunately, I didn't put the time time stamps on all these. Two pressures, two quarterback hits, one sack, and one flush of the pocket for RR two. Now, some people call that a pressure, and that's perfectly fine. That's just a definitional thing. Some people just call that a run play where he gets a zero, and 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 may or may not be reasonable to to do it that way. But that's six different events where he has he's backed up into the backfield, whether at tackle or at guard. Now I can separate that from you and send it separately, or I'd be happy to sit down with a film with you on it sure. and, and say here are the plays sure. that went um, wrong. I took some notes just on the the guard,
1: on the right at him at right guard. Yeah, go ahead. I think uh, I
0: got timestamps. I've I've got my notes in front of me. Yeah,
1: this the the first pressure I have was the, the first series. I want to believe it was the second play of the game. Yeah. And it was he got bullied bullied by Vea. He got bowled uh by mm-hmm. Vita Veya. Uh and he had to he kind of had to it was uh Vea wasn't lined up over sure. him, of course. Yeah, I, I was, have the wrong, if, I have the wrong play. Maybe, it was maybe 90, number 50, 90. Okay. Yeah, 90. Yes. And then uh, another pressure he he gave up. His eyes were a little bit late picking up some kind of stunt or a blitz. This would have been probably
0: second quarter, uh, Ken. Uh, looking and, for it. Let's see. Um, he had a, he had, there was a bad push-pull move on him at Q1-603 where Vea uh, kind of pushed him and then he pulled him back. Uh, was that it, on a quick pass? Quick pass to the left. Yeah, the, it was a let's see. No, it was a QH forty-five on the play. So him, him, him allowing Vaya in the backfield had some component of that, or I wouldn't have noted it this way.
1: Okay, but, so I had I had basically three plays that I thought mm-hmm. were 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 poor. Um, one of them didn't didn't cost him because it was a quick pass to the left, and he was beaten off the snap. I also had you know as far as highlight blocks. That first touchdown, the, the very first touchdown, Fale, got beat pretty bad. Cleveland recognized it, uh, was able to get a piece of the guy, tread well, wide open, touchdown. Uh, he had two nice level two blocks. Don't have time stamps on them, but I, I can picture the plays. And he also flattened the blitzer. This was the most Im- Im- impressive play. Mm-hmm. Blocked his guy initially, passed him off, saw the blitzer. Put his lowered the boom on the blitzer, knocked him to the ground, and then helped out with another player. Uh, basically got hands on three people on that play. So those there's are the there's a types of blocks, Ken, that – and then in the run game, I thought he looked good overall, better than pass pro, which yeah. is something that we come to expect, Ken. He's starting to settle in as like, I know what a Ben Cleveland game looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's better than what Sal is going to give you right now, and that's for darn sure.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm at the same point with you there, by the way, there. And it's not clear to me – who the Ravens would pick? I, I don't want to. I don't want to play the man in terms of playing Harbaugh, to or 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 playing Monken for that matter, or even playing Sanders in terms of which guy they like most, which guy is really working hardest, and whatnot. That that sh- that should be a factor, but I'm afraid that it's become the only factor with Cleveland that they've they've kind of gotten to a point where they kind of can't forgive him for who he's been these last couple of years since he showed up out of shape for last camp. And, you know, at some point, you, you got to move by that. You got you, you to gotta get by that and and uh, and let the guy have a chance again. And, and the way they've kept him at right guard and right tackle this whole preseason, when it's obviously not working with Salah, uh, boy, I wish – in this game, I wish they got him some left guard play, even if it was just at the end of the game.
1: Me too. And one of the things Coach Evans said when we went – we sat and looked at some tape – is that maybe the Ravens see him as a right, right side only player. Okay. So that's another theory out there. You know, I, we're, at this point, like you're saying, we're throwing stuff up against the wall because maybe they're frustrated in Ben Cleveland because he doesn't take the coaching. Well, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen like it's, it's the technique isn't pretty. It hasn't been pretty, but again, like we both agree. Normally when you're done the game, you're like, he didn't really hurt us and he had a couple of nice plays it could have been better, blah blah blah, but you can't. I just think that I'm, you know, strongly taking a stand on this guy. That we need to have him on the roster because if Kevin Zaitler gets banged up or John Simpson gets banged up, he's the best guy on the t- on the team right now. Yeah. To back both of those guys up, I don't think they want to mess with McCary. Or I Mustapher. think they need him for or Mustapher. I think they need McCary for uh for, for Ronnie, obviously. So. Yeah, I, I'm kind of a, you know, a little bit of a soapbox there, Ken, but I, I just feel strongly about that. And that's the only reason I'm considering leaving Ricard off the rosters because I want Cleveland on there and Carball seems bent on having Salo on that roster.
0: Right there with you, my friend. I I uh, I wish that soapbox was large enough for both of us, but but you've you've pretty much said it all. Let's uh let's keep going here because the, the treatment of Cleveland is is going to be interesting. And I'd be happy by the way if you want to sit down and look at every snap of his from that last game. Be happy to do that in your channel if you like. Uh, let's it's just do it. Kind let's do it. Yeah. Let's let's hey, let's through that right guard. Um, if I got the right guard caught up, and
1: I I would just like to concentrate on that instead of the tackle sure. stuff.
0: Let's do it. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, we've, 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 we've got that and I'll, I can, you know, I'll go back and I'll score it ahead of time. Cause I've noted it only in this game. That's always dangerous that I might miss something. So I've, I think I've got, if I've got that many bad plays listed as six bad plays on, on passes or on originally things that originally passed plays, he's probably got six, but he might have seven is the problem. So I, I want to make sure that I, I make sure I go back and score them all. Um, so that was, uh, uh, definitely had some notes on Cleveland. You know, the another guy who's who's kind of left out of this process. He just came in in the second half, but he totally dominated third team offensive line reps. Is to Manning at right guard, and he's looked pretty damn good in these in these three games. Ken,
1: I scouted him? Barely left him off my board. I you know I I had him at least on the radar, which I didn't with Salah because you never know how someone's going to translate going from that competition out in the Pac-12 or whatever it is to left guard in the NFL, but uh, Tayshawn Manning has a mean streak. I've seen it in the SEC. I've seen him hold his own against some pretty darn good prospects, Um, and I think that he looked really good in this preseason, and he's a guy that I'm concerned would get poached and wouldn't make it to our practice squad. I think there's a very good chance of that, considering I thought he had a very good preseason. Didn't play top competition, of course. He was coming in later in the games, but still. Uh he looked very good, very comfortable. And I, I believe in his upside. Just needs to get a little better as a pass protector, in my opinion, Ken. Not taking so much from the preseason games as I as I am the four or five games I saw him play at Kentucky. I believe it was mm-hmm. Kentucky.
0: Uh I, I think that's right. Now, I've actually forgotten where he went to school, but the, I know I there's one one, one of one of their the third string guys did go to Kentucky. Um Tykeem Doss uh was in there late. Uh honestly does, he looks like a guard pl- trying to play tackle is what that looked like. He, he very slow feet uh, really almost no movement to try and get a guy who was beating him on the edge, very badly and easily um, say, so well, I, I, I don't see him as a guy you bring back on the practice squad. I think that's all the case. Also the case with Gidon, although sometimes they like to have a third guy who can snap the football there. Um, I don't see him coming back. Um, Thomas played a fair amount of time. He also played the entire second half. I guess it's possible he could be back on the practice squad um, given, uh, uh, you know, the probably the desire to have a third guy who's, you know, snapping regularly and can, can deliver that. Uh, Where are you on any of the other third string guys you want to make a discussion about before I uh, hit on one more lineman? Really, really none,
1: Ken. And I just mean that truly, it's not to, to, uh, I just don't have no comment. I don't, See a separation of them. I don't see any of them helping us this year. If you have something, I'm going to trust your judgment on it. Uh, Godone, I, I kind of liked at UConn, I, I will say. So you know, he, obviously he is gone as of today. But if he was brought back as a developmental center, I think we could do uh, much worse than him. Uh, a kind of a finesse player, he struck me uh, as as a center. Again, I I didn't uh, go over many centers or include any, many on my board. I should say. But he was somebody I watched and thought. He, he. I was like, all right, he's got some movement, and especially after we brought him in as a UDFA. I went back and watched him again.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, they're always looking to uncover that next Nick Easton, who, who might be a guy who can stick around in the NFL for a few years and is a, is a little piece of gold that they that they find or pan for. Um, I, I guess the one last guy I want to talk about is Mustafa because he's probably risen as much as any offensive lineman, with the exception of Simpson in this whole camp for me and he was a guy i I really thought would be left off the roster i thought he was the 11th guy he goes to practice squad and i wasn't even concerned about the possibility of him being lost but he looks like a much better lineman than he looked like in chicago which by the way very similar to roquan smith is that it's hard it's hard to recognize the difference between the consistency of roquan smith here around better players better system better structure and what he is now in Baltimore. And I mean, he he always had flashes and plays he could make and whatnot. So don't get me wrong about Roquan. It's just, his play was incredibly inconsistent. And part of it was, I think he couldn't trust his teammates.
1: I think a lot of this Roquan, I thought he was good. I didn't watch him a ton in Chicago, except for when he was on the TV. So I can't say I studied him, but uh, it didn't get much better at the middle linebacker position than what we saw at the end of last year. Ken, I don't know how, if he plays like that again this year, this highlight tape is going to be – enough. You, you might as well just go to the movies because I'm going to just mm-hmm. keep playing them for an hour and a half. <laughs> uh, just an excellent player. I think Joe D'Alessandras, though, deserves a lot of credit here. Yep. Not only for um, – not only for uh, Mustafer, but also for John Simpson. Yeah. Uh, two players, confidence probably low, get cut by some, like, bad offensive uh, teams, mm-hmm. bad bad units, I would say, bad O-lines. Come here, surround them with a little bit of talent, and they look different. And when we get the MVPs, uh, I think that your three choices were great. I was going to bring Mustapha up in that group just to switch it up, maybe an honorable mention or something, because mm-hmm. he went from being quiet, I think, was my best description to him. Okay, he's quiet. That's good for an offensive lineman. That'll work for a backup center. To where I'm think, thinking now, I'm like, man, he, he just keeps getting better every time I see him. And, of course, there are you know there are mistakes that he makes as well, but uh, like you're going to have missed blocks from every player. You know, even Linderbaum is going to have him at center. So I don't see him doing anything devastatingly uh, wrong at center. He looked pretty good.
0: He's very few mistakes this preseason. But the other thing that's really good about what he's done is he's the right combination of pass and run blocking, whereas Linderbaum is the quote unquote, and I always get in trouble with this, the wrong combination. You'd much rather have every one of your linemen be a better pass blocker than run blocker. If, if you had your druthers would center included everyone and oh i want some balance and i want a better run blocker at some position okay i, I you know i, I could maybe see how you might want to make some concession to run blocking but basically it's a it's a uniform rule of thumb at every offensive line position pass blocking is more important and mustafer's been a much better pass blocker than run blocker uh you can see it a little bit and in this game he had a great three block play i don't know if you caught it but it was a RM5 by Gordon, I believe. He blocked left to help block or to, to combo block for the guy who was left. And then inexplicably, he turns to the right. Or maybe it was the other way around. I might have this mirror imaged on him. And then he blocks back the other way to, to tee up the lineman. And then he goes to level two. And he maintained that block for four or five yards. So while, while Gordon was running behind him and did get tackled anyway. But uh, to, to me, he's been very impressive. I think he's clearly the Ravens' seventh best lineman right now. So after McCarey, who they really have in mind for a specific role, I think in terms of, of backing up a tackle, I think Mustafa might be the guy at either guard or center that they bring in first.
1: That's that's very possible, which would put mm-hmm. Cleveland in jeopardy if they feel that confident. You know, I have to lean to the team until I see it. But um, you know, Cordell Woodland, I had him on the show. Friend of yours, friend of your show. Mm-hmm. Great reporter. He's he basically saying uh, last week, you know, before this game. They Mustafer's a lock. Mustafer's a lock, in my opinion, because he's the right. Ravens are going want to have a backup center. Uh they don't want to move McCary. All the reasons that we stated, uh, there's no choice. He's he has made the team. So um, you know, of course, it's Cordell's opinion. He doesn't, he's not saying this is like Harbaugh told him, but uh, you know, I totally agree with Cordell. Yeah, yeah,
0: so do I. Um, okay, uh, we will call it right here. And come back after a after a brief break for part two of the show. We're going to talk a little bit about the Monken scheme, what we've seen of it so far, uh, talk about some of the play in this game, and then give our roster prediction, which I know a lot of people are waiting for in part two. So please look for that; it'll be a separate download. Uh, Jason, tell a little about people about where they can find your work online or or uh, contact you there.
1: Sure, huddle it up films on both Twitter and YouTube. I appreciate everyone coming over there, checking out the cut up. Like I said, I have a Ben Cleveland at right guard comp, uh, compilation that you would like also did a cut up on our Darius Washington last week, a lot of uh, views on that one. So please come on over and check it out. There's no fluff on this. There's not a lot of celebrations and people coming out the tunnel and stuff like that. I'm just basically highlighting the player so you can pick them up quickly, play in the play and let me let you see
0: for yourself. All right, outstanding stuff. I'd, I'd love to sit down uh, and and do maybe a, a scoring play-by-play of him at right guard because it's not going to be that many snaps, maybe 20 snaps or something that he uh, was at right guard. Maybe it's a few more, and uh, that would be a lot of fun. Other uh, folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. I want to hear from you. This is how I meet new people. I do a ton of shows per year. It's entirely guest-driven content, meaning there's only about 10 shows per year I do alone. So I'm looking for you to have a good discussion about football with for, for you to help the, the the train of film study content to continue. And uh, and I appreciate uh, all of you guys taking an interest in it. And all, all I'll say is don't be bashful. What you've got to say, I guarantee it's important. And, and a lot of it makes very interesting fodder for discussion. Just test me out on this. I make it, get in contact with me. We'll talk a little bit, see if there's a kernel of the show and we'll get that rolling. Jason, thanks again for coming on. Thank you, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.